run in the high Take a walk on the weird side It goes bump in the night Take a walk on the weird side They can't trust the living They can't kill the dead They can't stop the voices inside the head They can't run They can't hide Take a walk on the weird side Well, welcome back, weirdos. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Hannah. And I'm Taylor. And together we are Weird Weird Side Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to the second official bonus episode that we have come out with this season. We decided to do this bonus episode due to our last episode that we recorded concerning the death of Nicole Lovell. We were discussing in the last episode how Natalie Keepers resembled Louisa Cutting Taylor and I were discussing the last episode how we felt like Natalie Keepers resembled Louisa Cutting in the last episode that we had discussed. So we figured we'd give you guys a little bonus episode to go over the case of Louisa Cutting. Now this is a, I would say a case that it's pretty recent in everybody's mind around here because it happened two, three years ago-ish? 2019. 2019, sorry. So this case occurred in Radford which is in the NRV, our home. Louisa Cutting was 21 years old when she was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to 40 years in prison. Louisa Cutting was also called the, quote, roommate from hell who did cocaine with the devil. Well, that's really fitting. Yeah, it's very bizarre, creepy, scary to be referred to as that. I, I don't know about you, but... If I committed a horrible crime, I don't know if I would want to be known as this. I don't know if I'd want that to be my nickname. I feel like I'd want to be known as something else. It's 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 kind of fucked up, but it's also kind of badass at the same time. So, I think it goes both ways. Badass? The roommate that deals with the devil. Like, if you go to prison and that's your name. Like, I'm not, I'm not worshipping her in any way. But, like, if you go to prison and that's your nickname, that just screams don't fuck with me. Well, that's true, because in GP, if you were known, if you were bunking with somebody with that nickname or had that reputation, yeah, you'd be like, oh. And I can prove that, because when we get deeper into it, when we start talking about actually my personal experiences with her, mm-hmm. I think it I think it fits. Yes. Taylor and I both have had personal experiences with Louisa Cutting. But getting back to her story, some background on her. Louisa Cutting was a student at Radford University studying psychology. Her roommate was her best friend, named Alexa Cannon, and she was 20 years old at the time, and she was also studying psychology at Radford University. Cutting and Cannon seemed to be very close. I don't know how long their friendship was for, but they appeared to be like sisters, practically. And we can see this evidenced by social media and posts made on their social media accounts, which some people could argue that you could put whatever you want on social media and make it seem a certain way. But I think in this scenario, it really reflects their friendship. There's one post on Instagram that Cannon writes, along with a photo of her and Louisa Cutting. She says, quote, I met this girl two years ago online, and somehow we ended up living across from each other for a year. This summer, she was equivalent to my mom in Cancun, which, stepping aside for a second, Taylor and I have both been there, and it is beautiful and a bunch of fun. Anyway... She says, and unimaginably, she still puts up with me, and now we're living together next year. Love you more, Lou, and everyone pray that we don't kill each other this year. Heart. That is chilling in retrospect. Very chilling in retrospect, and a lot of people have pointed this out, too. 
cringe. Cutting responded on this post, love you, my love, and she puts a heart. In another post, Cannon also writes on another photo of her and Cutting, quote, so guys, it's my best friend's birthday, so make sure you say happy birthday to her and Lou. I miss and I love you and I'll see you Monday. And I love you more than life and thank you for being my mom in Cancun and making sure I didn't die and for making sure all my clothes and shoes came back to the room by the end of the night unharmed. And thank you for surprising me in the airport, one of the videos, guys. And being insane with me and not judging me. Heart, heart, heart. Love you more, babe. Cutting wrote on one of her social media accounts in regards to rescuing a dog. She writes, quote, As most of you know, this past year I was given a blessing. Meet Rex, or as I like to call him, Rexy, a.k.a. Cutie Patootie. Rex has had a very difficult past, mostly living outside on a chain. Through Rafford Pound Pals, he was saved and given lots of love. This past fall, I was able to be one of his foster moms. I first met Rex last year and fell in love with him instantly. He is so affectionate, caring, goofy, a little stubborn as most dogs are. We all have lonely nights, low nights. Rex was always by my side. He always knew if I was sad or upset and would come hug me and let me know it was all okay. Just saying, Taylor and I's most recently adopted fur baby, we also rescued him from Pound Pals. So I think that's kind of That's actually chilling. kind of chilling a little bit too. Yes. There's nothing against Pound Pals. I think they're a great organization. But just knowing that we have rescued a fur baby from Pound Pals and Louisa Cutting at one point in time fostered a fur baby from Pound Pals and was affiliated with Pound Pals. <sighs> yes. Obviously, they had no way of knowing that she would commit this crime. But still, it's a little chilling. On another post that we have an example of, I believe this was Cutting who had commented on this post, the one we were just talking about with Radford Pound Pals. I believe it's her who says, quote, This boy was such a blessing. Sadly, being a college student, always moving, I'm not able to give him what he needs. He loves running, going on lots of walks, and peanut butter. He also likes tortillas. They're such a treat. He needs someone who will be patient with him as he is still learning. I'm asking all of my Facebook friends, if you know an experienced dog family, please let me know. Rex is looking for his home. He's up for adoption through Pound Pals of Radford. Let me pause right here. What can we gather from these posts that we just read now? What kind of things could you gather from her just from reading her social media post? Honestly, like in retrospective, that one thing where she said, I hope we don't kill each other is really chilling. But like other than that, I'm not seeing anything out of the ordinary. Right. For me, what I see from these posts is that she obviously cares for animals. Mm -hmm. She cares for her friends. Mm -hmm. She's capable of feeling emotions. She is capable of caring for other people and loving other people. These are not signs of a sociopath. I don't think, I'm not seeing it, to be completely honest with you. I'm, I'm not really seeing it. Once again, you can make the argument, well, yeah, she can say whatever she wants to in social media, and that is true. But in my opinion, I think these are genuine postings, like, from the heart. So, some people would argue that Louisa Cutting is a sociopath, but I personally disagree with that. And we can see some evidence in these posts that she obviously does feel emotion. Yeah, I think she does. Or is she so good at it, she's pretending? That could be argued Ted as well. Bundy. It could be. On January 24th, 2019, at 7.45 in the morning, Radford PD was dispatched to the 1200 block of Clement Street. I used to live in Radford, and I honestly don't remember what Clement Street is. I assume it is on the east side of Radford. I used to live over in the West End, so anyway. 
Neighbors in the apartment complex reported hearing screaming when they made these calls, which is why they called. When officers arrived at scene, Cutting was covered in blood, turned around, placed her hands behind her back, and said, Arrest me. Cannon was rumored to have been dead on scene with a knife sticking out of her mouth. She had been stabbed over 30 times. So how do we go? What in the world happened? We go from, I love you so much. Thank you for this wonderful time. I can't wait to come live with you. Hope we don't kill each other. Cringe. And we go from that to arrest me. I killed her. And then your best friend is lying in the floor with a knife in her mouth. Dead. That is that went from zero to sixty very quickly. Absolutely, there is there you you don't just go from point A to point B like that without any kind of in between. Cutting was arrested on scene and she willingly went with officers. Cutting supposedly used cocaine, Adderall, marijuana, mushrooms, Xanax, tobacco, and alcohol the night before the murder. She was also sleep deprived. On scene, officers reportedly seized pills, smoking devices, grinders, and a brown chocolate substance from the kitchen. I do not want to sound stupid, but I don't even know what a grinder is. Is that when you, like, crush it, stuff it, down? It grinds, it grinds up your... So, like a pill grinder. Kind of. Where it crushes it, It's kind, kind of like that. So, she's found to have all kinds of substances in her system, or she reported reportedly took those substances, and then they found paraphernalia. It's... With those two combined, it's likely to say that she did, for sure, have some drugs in her system. If she was sleep-depraved, I think cocaine probably would have been a contributing factor to that. Because cocaine's an upper, I believe. I believe it is. Yeah. After Cutting arrived to the jail, I believe at that point she was involuntarily admitted to a mental health hospital for 11 days. I don't know if she came into the jail and she immediately had to do that or if that just happened later while she was still at the jail. But throughout this time, Cutting prayed, talked about the apocalypse, and recited the Hail Mary prayer in Spanish. Staff at the jail reported that when she arrived, her eyes were completely black. And I can personally testify to this. Now, I was not present when Cutting first came to our jail, but I can tell you that I remember very shortly after she arrived at the jail, like within a week, I was working, and I remember people talking about her. Like, that was the first thing I heard when I came to work was, did you hear we got that girl who killed her roommate in Radford? And I'm like, yeah, I live under a rock. So I'm like, no. And then I'd heard about it, and then I started to hear people talk about how just, it gave me chills, to be honest with you. So many people that I know would say things like her eyes were completely black. She acted like she was possessed. And when I came into my medical department cutting was in our department and I remember peeking in at her and I believe she was asleep at that time but I just I kind of got chills seeing her laying there because I'd just been told all of this really scary stuff and later on in the day when she was awake I kind of saw what people were talking about with her eyes but I didn't think that she did act like she was possessed I didn't think she was demonic I didn't think all these really scary things what scared me about it was how I really felt like she was just a normal person. I didn't have any direct contact with her for a little while, but I remember later on, at one point, we had to get labs on her, and I attempted to get labs on her, and I was, like, pretty new at trying to learn phlebotomy, so, of course, I didn't get her, but she was 
she didn't say a word. Like, she said on that exam table, she let me poke her. She let me try to get blood. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get anything. She was like, oh, it's okay. And then another nurse came and got it. And I, she just seemed like a, a normal, everyday person. And that's what freaked me out more than anything. Is it more chilling that she was kind of just, like, relaxed about it? Like, everything. Not necessarily, like, what she had done, but, like, she was just so normal. Yeah, I mean, especially since everyone was, like, telling me about how scary it seemed like she was when she came into the jail. And then I had my own interaction with her, and I'm like, this doesn't match up at all with what other people were telling me. Like, I never would have known. I think it's more chilling that she's so calm. Yeah. Yeah, I would would say so. But, you know, I don't know if at that point she had already been to the hospital, mental hospital, to be evaluated and came back at that point. I I don't remember because this was a while ago. I do also know at some point in time, usually when we get high-profile cases, they cannot go into general population, and that is for their safety. At our jail, we are very big on safety. It is the top priority. So we had her isolated for a long time, but I do know at some point, though, she requested to go to general population. I mean, it had been, it wasn't like immediately when she came into the jail, but she had been there for some time and she was requesting that and I remember I was like oh my gosh is this a good idea but surprisingly it was approved after you know you someone can't just say oh I want to go here without and just go like they have to be interviewed they have to talk to a classifications officer the classifications officer investigates background checks to see if there's enemies or other things that could compromise their safety and if nothing is found and staff agrees that there's no reason why we shouldn't try it, then it's usually approved. But if there is found to be enemies in that pod or other kind of things that might pop up to compromise their safety, it will not get approved. When she did get approved to go to general population, I remember I was doing a pill call shortly after that at some point, and she just came right on up for pill call. She, I mean, again, it's like she was a normal person. And I thought, especially with... And this is not just specific to, I'm not saying this was about my jail, but just in general, when it comes to dealing with corrections, there are universal rules when it comes to there about inmates being housed in general population. One thing that is universal for everywhere, if you are a sex offender, if you have rape charges on you, and this is mainly speaking for males, you can guarantee that your ass is going to get kicked. And usually that's why in scenarios like that, you see inmates with those sorts of charges. They cannot be in general population because of their safety. For females, it's a little bit different. For females, if you have a child abuse charge on you, or if you have a murder charge on you, depending on who it is that you murdered, you can get your ass kicked in the female pod too. It's different with the different housing populations between male and female inmates, but I was really concerned because Cutting had murdered her roommate who was around her age. And that is technically, like, even though they were of legal age, they're still considered children or kids to most female inmates. So it would be something that if they found out about, they might look at it as, oh, you fucking murdered another girl, little girl about your age. Who do you fuck do you think you are taking another girl, little girl's life? That little girl was someone's mom, someone's daughter, someone's sister, X, Y, Z. And then I could easily see someone getting fucking jumped on that. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. Usually, typically murderers don't really get fucked with that much. 
I said females. Females? I'm not really sure about. I, I, I can't speak for females because I don't know. I know that universally between men and women prisoners, it's child abuse is definitely one you're going to get your ass kicked oh, yeah. for both. Sexual predators, both you get jacked up for. Typically murderers. I, granted, I spent, I spent most time with the males, so I didn't spend a lot of time with the females. But I do have a point to make when it does come to the females, and that is for males, they don't. If you're a murderer, typically they don't fuck with you. Like, you've already killed someone. They're not typically going to be like, you know what? Let's go jump this guy that's already murdered someone. But if that guy murdered, let's say, a three-year-old kid. That's different. That's that's different. That's different. It depends on who they murder. When they're a 20-year-old, they're not considered kids. Legally, no. Legally or to prisoners. They don't typically see it that way. You know, because most 20-year-olds, like... uh, do you kill other 20-year-olds? It does happen. So, and the reason I think it probably, and even if it is a thing, it did not apply to cutting. Because when she went to those pods, and I did talk to the female officers, there wasn't a single person up there that fucked with her. Well, not that's a true. one. That's what blew my mind. Because, because, two reasons. Typically, and back to my point, I don't think typically murder, I mean, obviously it's a bad thing, but like, in prison... Or jail, it's not looked up, looked down upon as the worst thing you can do. It's not. And Child abuse not. and pedof- being a pedophile is That's the, worst. the worst. Being a murderer, this is not always the case, but for most of the time, it's not seen that way. And I would agree with that, but I really do think it also depends on who it is you murder. Absolutely. Now, I'm saying, I'm saying, if you murdered an adult, this is all hypothetical. You killed an adult, wise? No, most people don't give a shit. But you kill a kid, anyone below the age of like 16, 17, below that. Oh, yeah, they're coming. That's a different story. That's completely different. Where they were both 20, I don't really think she really applied to that. Well, and obviously in this scenario, I guess you're right. I guess it didn't apply to her, but I'm just talking about potential. Yeah, oh, yeah. It could potentially have been because, as someone who goes to the female pods every day that she works, I see the culture of those females that are housed up there. And I can tell you a lot of, this is kind of similar to the males too. There's in every pod, there's usually quote a pod daddy or quote a pod mama. But one thing that is different about the females in that regard, those are mothers up there. So many women up there are mothers and more than anything, they just want to get home to their kids. They give anything to go back home to their kids and raise their babies and spend time with their children. Now, some people would argue that, well, if they cared so much, they wouldn't be in jail, blah, blah, blah. That's that's a whole different argument, and we're not going to go into that. What I see every day, regardless of what they've done or who they are, I've seen a lot of female inmates. They just want more than anything to be at home with their kids. A lot of women have children who were cuttings age. True. So if they were to learn about her crime, which, again, it was a high-profile case, so they mm-hmm. probably did. It's possible. I could have easily seen uh, several mothers up there being like, who the fuck do you think you are? I have a baby that's the same age. You gonna fucking kill my baby too? Like, I I can see something like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm really glad that it didn't happen, though, as far as I know. And that was back to the reputation thing I was talking about. When I said her reputation was bad, I didn't mean that in a good way. I meant, I might have used the wrong word on that. What I mean by that is, if you're going into jail... And then you're going into prison and your name is the girl that does cocaine with the devil. You probably don't want to fuck with and her. your case is you murdering your best friend and they found her with a knife in her mouth. That typically means most people won't fuck, fuck with, with you. you. 
Yeah. And I was right. Nobody fucked with I, her. I don't think Not anybody Not a single one because her. they were afraid of her. I don't know if it was because they were afraid of her or I don't. I mean, you're probably really right. You're probably right. It's probably a little right. bit of both. A little bit of some were probably were afraid of her and then there were others might not have given a shit who knows but yeah who really knows but the point was she didn't get fucked with at mm-hmm. all and i remember and again at this time i was really new like that was the same year i first started working at the jail so i was brand new to corrections but i remember that really did blow my mind mm-hmm. i was i could have sworn like that was not going to be a good idea mm-hmm. at all i did see cuttings i was walking through booking and our lieutenant was talking to her with the uh, two sergeants. And I did walk by when that happened. And I remember looking into her eyes and seeing fucking black. She did have straight black eyes. She did. It was weird. I was like, mm, you know, like <laughs> that's long, eerie. Do you know how long she had been there? I don't know how long she had been there. But I uh, did know that she uh, she was creepy. And that I did talk to one of the sergeants afterwards. And he was like, dude, it looked like she was just staring through me. Dude, that, that's that's what I kept hearing too. That's creepy. That's what I kept hearing too. But my interaction was just so opposite that all I could think about was this was like a normal everyday person. That's Isn't that more scary. creepy? Yes, like Ted Bundy. He that she can blend, and maybe she is a normal person. Maybe it was the, the drugs and some other stuff that contributed to that. Who knows? But I mean, that is my personal opinion. Bottom line, she did a horrible thing and a lot of people would argue that it's unforgivable if someone murdered my child i don't know if i could ever forgive that person but i don't think cutting was a sociopath i think the potential is there i I think she just was high on drugs i I think the potential was there and it took the drugs to unlock it well that's what i was getting ready to bring up that's what i was thinking i I think think because why even if you're high i know a lot of times when you're you're in that state of mind you don't know what you're doing But I also believe that your inner desires kind of get brought to the surface. Kind of like the concept, when you drink too much alcohol, you get a little too honest about stuff. Like, because that filters down and you don't give a shit what you're saying. Like, the truth is surfacing out. Why would you murder your best friend that you appear to be so close with? You had to have had some kind of underlying feelings there. Mm -hmm. Something might have happened. Multiple things might have happened. You could have been jealous or I don't know what the what happened. But you don't just get high on drugs and then go and murder your best friend without there being some kind of in between. Mm -mm. Yeah, you're right. That's what I think is really sad. Mm -hmm. Above all, I wish that we're starting to become more of a society where people do call people out when they're upset or offended about something, sometimes that can be a little overboard. But do you think maybe this could have been avoided if whatever it was that happened between them, if it was talked about? I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. To be completely honest with you. Who knows what happened that night? Yep. Who knows? And who knows if it was even just something that happened that night. Could have been something that happened a long time ago. Could have been something that happened multiple times. On October 7th, 2019, Cutting pled guilty to second-degree murder in stabbing Cannon to death. So, she owned up to it. She did. She And even when she was arrested, remember, she was like, arrest me. Like, she never tried to lie about it, never tried to fight it. Mm-hmm. This uh, spared Cannon's family from having to go through trial. That is very important. Mm-hmm. Because Louisa Cutting admitted that she murdered Alexis Cannon, or Alexa Cannon, they didn't have to go to trial about it. And... That is important because when you lose a family member and that family member is murdered, 
I think one of the hardest things for that family is having to go through a trial all because the person who murdered that person does not want to own up to their shit. It's cruel. Because then during a trial, you're going to have defense lawyers on their side trying to prove that they're not to blame for what they did. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more cruel than to hear a victim's family members having to hear this and having to, since the defense attorney's job is to try to defend their side, the defendant's side of things, there's nothing more cruel than having to see that. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, even if she did try to say, no, I didn't do it. I mean, it's kind of hard to fight it when they literally walked in and you're standing over a girl's dead body with blood all over you. And you say, go ahead and arrest me. And you say, go ahead and arrest me. So, don't think it would have worked out. But it was good that they spared her that. And I will say this just real quick. I know it sounds kind of fucked up to say, but I do have some respect for cutting for... Owning up to it. For owning up to it. That is... And not fighting. That's... that's, Most people don't do that. No. Um, This... I'm sorry. Cutting was sentenced to 40 years with the sentence to be suspended after she serves 20 years. How do we feel about that? I'm not trying to be that guy. But women typically get a slap on the wrist for most things. I'm not, this is technically not a slap on the wrist, but for murdering someone 20 years, I don't know about that. See, I don't, I don't know. I don't about, know about that. I don't know if I agree with you on that or not. No, they do. Girls get slapped on the wrists all the time for stuff. And I'm not trying to be offensive when I say that. It's true. When I went, when we had to go for bail hearings for people to get bail, right? There were five cases. Three were guys, two were girls. Guess which ones got bonds, guess which ones didn't. All for the same crime? Different crimes. Very different crimes. The All girls? the guys did not get bonds. All the girls, even though they were repeated fenders, did. Or like that person that I told you about that one time that embezzled $200,000. You know what she got? Probation. For a year. Wow. Imagine if a guy did that. Wow. I'm just saying it, it. I'm not saying it happens all the time because there are special cases, but typically, some women do get slaps on the wrist when it comes to certain things. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. But I think per the family, they didn't want the death penalty for cutting. I don't think the death penalty is in Virginia. I, I don't think. It I'm is. sorry, I said that. <laughs> Not the death penalty. I don't think her family wanted, uh, Miss Cannon's family wanted cutting to spend life in prison. Excuse me. Yeah, you're right. The death penalty, I think, only even still exists in Florida. Maybe. Uh, Texas hasn't. I know that. Florida and Texas. Texas has A few other states probably have it. But. So, sorry. Yes. I meant to say, I do not think that Cannon's family wanted cutting to get a life sentence. And I think that this was just because, I, I, well, not only did I do recall reading that in an article somewhere, but... Cannon and Cutting were best friends. Cutting was like their family member. She was like another daughter to them. And as hard as it was for their own daughter to be taken from them in such a grotesque fashion, they still were humble enough to look at the situation and know that Cutting was like a daughter to them too. And it's just a hard situation to be in. But I think that this was the reason why perhaps Cutting did not get sentenced to life in prison. Judge also ordered for Cutting to have no contact with Cannon's family and for Cutting to undergo any deemed mental health treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Which, I mean, the no contact is a no-brainer. Duh. Yeah, it's a no. Uh, <laughs> but, and I think this was fair, too, because Cutting, from what I know, she did not fight mental health services she didn't fight going to the mental hospital she didn't fight mental health visits at the jail she was very compliant with that and this is an appropriate 
order. Although Cutting offered no motive for the murder, her defense statement that was she was having a psychotic episode at the time of the murder. That's what her defense. Yeah. Uh, Cutting did take full responsibility for her actions. She says, There are no words for this tragedy. My heart is filled with sorrow and grief. My heart goes out to the Cannon family. I am so sorry. So she expressed remorse too. And again, people make arguments for everything. Hearing someone say, I'm sorry, I know that a lot of times if someone says sorry, they're not really sorry. But I think that Cutting genuinely meant it. Maybe. That's my opinion. Maybe. Cannon was described as having a full life ahead of her, a life poised to make a great impact on those she would have encountered. That is really, really sad. Uh, Like I've mentioned earlier, I think this is a a case where there might have been some something that happened between two very close friends and at least one of them had unresolved feelings about that. And then one night she had drug-induced psychosis, my opinion, and murdered her best friend. And that's awful. But I don't really think it was much anything more than that. Like what I mean by that is I don't think she was a sociopath. I don't think that she was going through a possession, which, you know, some argue that if you dabble in drugs, that could lead a window to being possessed and involve demons coming to your life. But I I think this is what, what happened. And it's a sad scenario. It's a sad case. But I'm hoping that Cutting is get has gotten or is getting the help that she needs. And I hope that She is in a place where she can restore herself rather than learn more about crime and commit to a life in that regard. Because we see that also with so many people. Jail is supposed to be a place where people can rehabilitate themselves and us help them do that. But that's not really the case anymore anyway. A lot of times, and for a lot of people, it's just a place to learn how to commit more crimes on the street when you get out. I think we're going to have completely different opinions on this, but I'll give her credit for taking ownership of that, and that's why I'm not going to be as harsh, because that takes a lot. Typically, if she hadn't accepted guilt and tried to say, no, it wasn't me, this, 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 and this, you take a life, you give a life. You took someone's life. I think it's fair you should have to give up your own. That's fair enough. Life in prison. Yeah. But she did say she owned up to it. I'll give her credit on that. I still think 20 years is a slap on the wrist for taking someone's life. There are crimes out there that are not even remotely as bad as that, and people get something similar to that. Mm -hmm. You took someone's life, regardless of whether you were in the right state of mind or not. Even if you were drunk and you weren't in the right state of mind and you crashed into somebody, you still took a life. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't matter if you didn't mean to. You did. She should have at least got 40. Solid. I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Because you took someone's life that had so much potential, you should at least give up a solid 40 for it. Mm-hmm. Well, pausing from cutting for just for a second, now that you mentioned that, do you remember last year and that sweet, sweet man? You know the one that used to hitchhike all the time and would ask for rides and he got ran over at J&J Grocery? Yeah. And that man killed him? Yeah. I mean, it was an accident, but he technically took a life. Yep. So what do you think should have happened to him? You're still responsible. So you would uh, you would say for him too since if he you took were still in the right state of mind, he wasn't under the influence, was he? I don't believe he was. No, Mm-mm. it was just manslaughter. Yeah, I think he was just. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know if 
the man who got killed was just walked out in front of the road or if the guy was driving too fast or I don't know what happened, but I did know he hit him. And I think his name was David. I think David ultimately died. He was in the hospital for like a week. Depends on the scenario. If you're not under the influence, I think the solid manslaughter charges, what they do for that is pretty fair. And what's the sentencing look like for manslaughter? I think that one's 20. Mm-hmm. But that I think there's a big difference between accidentally hitting somebody and drinking and driving and hitting someone. You're absolutely there's, right. There's a difference. The circumstances are different. You're right. There's but a big difference It, it depends. On that. Like because, it changes things. Because you shouldn't be drinking. You know that. And right. you do it anyway. Like you're being And careless. then you take someone's life? Mm-mm. No. It's like you're that, intentionally. That's, that's worse. Yeah. That's that's worse. Yeah. Even if it is an accident. I mean, the the normal manslaughter for that one. Like, But I don't think Cuttings was really an accident, though. That wasn't an accident. There was intent behind it. It may have been drugs that brought it out, I but there agree. was intent behind that. I think there had to have been two, and the drugs brought that out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If there's definitely intent to murder someone, solid life. Oh, if you yeah. admit guilt, at least 40. Bare minimum. Oh, yeah. I think I could agree with that. Drinking and driving, same thing. Now, if you just hit something, oh, that one, that one was a special case, but yeah, still, you did take someone's life, so. Fifteen to twenty. Do change things a little bit, but you know we could be completely wrong about all of this. I believe cutting is at Fluvanna Prison. That's a women's prison. So, if anyone is interested in hearing it from her account, you could always write her. Yeah. See if she says anything back. There, my experiences with her, she seemed to be a very quiet person, and I never received any kind of disrespect from her at all. I don't know how she would feel about getting a letter from somebody asking her to explain her crimes. I'm, I'm sure she's had that already before. But if you really were curious to know, you could always try it and see. Yeah, thanks, Well, thanks for tuning in on this little bonus episode, guys. Let us know. We also have another local true crime case that Taylor and I both had experience dealing with this inmate. And that inmate is Nancy Fridley, the woman who kidnapped the little boy in Giles. Oh, yeah. So let us know if you'd like us to talk about that. Leave us a comment. Let us know. Thanks again for tuning in to our bonus episode. And as always, I'm Hannah. I'm Taylor. And together we are Weird Side Side Podcast. Podcast.